please open your Bibles right now if you would. All right? And we're going to be looking again in the book of Ruth. And I, I think, I think that's the eighth book of the Bible. Let's see, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth. Yeah, that's eight. The eighth book of the Bible. Please grab a Bible today. This is a very Bible message. And you won't be able to pay attention as well as you'd like if you don't have a Bible. And we invite you every week to bring your Bible or to use one in front of you. Ruth chapter 3 is where we're turning this morning. And Pastor Ed has done an amazing job these last several weeks of teaching the Word of God to you. And he's been sharing the story of two amazing women. And their names are Ruth and Naomi. But before we start talking about chapter 3 and what happens there, and I hope you had a chance to read that this week, I need to set you up just a little bit again to bring us back into where we're at. The time that we're speaking about with Ruth and Naomi is kind of a dark time. It really is. In the time of the children and the life of Israel. A, a time when people are not necessarily following God. A, a, a time where people are permissive. A, a time of weakness of character. But yet, in the middle of all that, there are some amazing godly people. A gem, a pearl, for instance, shining out. An example even for us today. So we, we turn to, to the book of Ruth and we, we see different, several different things. And as a reminder, if you haven't been here these past several weeks, turn to Ruth chapter 1 and keep your finger in 3. Ruth, Ruth chapter 1. What's going on? This is what's going on in the life of three amazing people. Yes, we're going to bring another one in today. And it says this in 1.1, one, one, and we need to put the glasses on. We're getting old here. All right, 1.1 one, one says this, in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man from Bethlehem and Judah, together with his wife and his two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, which you remember is, my God is king, is what his name means, and his wife's name Naomi, meaning pleasant. And the names of his two sons were Malan and Kilion, and they were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab to live there because of that famine. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. And she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite woman, one named Orpah and the other Ruth, hence the book of Ruth. And after they had lived there about ten years, both Malan and Kilian also died. And Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. And dear friends, if you can imagine that during that time, if you were a widow, as we shared, your life, if you didn't have a husband or sons to carry on the family name, it was hopeless. And so in the middle of this dark time, we've got some people who are experiencing a dark time in their life as well, and perhaps this is a tough time for you in your life. And so these women had nothing. Well, they had each other, didn't they? And so there's Ruth, the mother-in-law, and she's got her two daughters-in-law with her, and they decide to go back to Bethlehem, back to their homeland. And by the way, Bethlehem means house of bread. Perhaps hope was coming their way, as we talked about. And when they got there, Naomi said, you know what, don't stay with me. You're, you're young women. I know you lost your husbands, but you can still continue on with your life. Go ahead, back to your families. You don't need to stay with me. You remember the one daughter-in-law left, Orpah, but Ruth, remember what she said in verse 16 of chapter 1? We're going to take a brief walk through 1 and 2. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. And talk about amazing. She could have just went out on her own, right? 
just lived her own life. But Ruth said, you know what? No, I'm going to stay with you. I'm going to be a friend to you to care for you. An amazing example for us when others are in need to help them. And the more amazing thing as we read there as well, she says, your God will be my God. And as you recall, the Moabites were idol worshipers. And she said, you know what? I'm going to take on the true God of Israel. Naomi must have given an amazing example. And even though Naomi said, you know what? Don't call me pleasant anymore. God has made my life bitter. That they still continue to follow God even in the challenges of their life. A challenge for us too. We remember as as the story continues on there, and and by the way, we can never know what it is to be in each other's shoes, can we? We might be experiencing different things in our life, and I can't know what your life is like, and you can't know mine, and perhaps like Naomi and Ruth probably did, and you say, why sometimes, right? Why, God, is this happening? Well, sometimes what we don't know is that God has a bigger plan. A plan to work out maybe someone's, in fact, somebody's even their salvation. Well, follow along with me, if you will. We're continuing in the Bible today. That's what we promised to do. In Ruth chapter 2, the story continues. Hope seems to be looming. Now, Naomi had a relative on her husband's side from the clan of Elimelech, a man of standing whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out and began to glean in the fields behind the harvesters. And as it turned out, she found herself working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Limelech. As it turned out, coincidence? I think not. God was working here, even through the trials of the life, to provide a relative. And as you recall, as Pastor Ed shared with us during that time, what the farmers would do, and by the way, that's what Boaz was. By the way, Boaz's name means in him is strength. Boaz was a wealthy family uh, farmer, and the farmers would go ahead and leave the corners of their field open. And after the harvesters would go through, the poor, the sojourner, the widows were allowed to go and glean to pick up the extra stocks. And then go ahead and thresh and winnow it and keep that grain for themselves. We might today call it a form of welfare. Actually, a form of caring for those who are in need. And so Ruth doesn't stand back and expect her her mother-in-law to care for her. No, she goes out into the field and she just so happens, coincidence, no God incidents, to end up in the field of Boaz. And so as she gets in that field, Boaz doesn't ignore her. In fact, he says, who's that girl out there? Who is she? And he heard the story about how Ruth went with her mother-in-law and cared for her even in the death of their husbands. Take a look with me in Ruth chapter 2, verse 11. Verse 11, Boaz replied, this is Boaz speaking, I've been told all about what you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband and how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you've done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you've taken refuge. And although that looks like a conversation there, Boaz is actually praying over her. He's saying, God, this woman is amazing. She's following her. Won't you bless her even more? And as we shared, sometimes when you pray, God uses you to be that blessing. 
And indeed, Boaz did care for Ruth. What Boaz did is not only did she glean in the fields to pick up the leftovers, but he had the men there leave extra stalks on the ground. And he told the men there, leave her alone, right? Don't go after that woman. And even with the slave girls, she was allowed to have meals with them. And then he provided this big bundle of wheat and barley for her. In verse 20, it reads this. Follow along with me. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead, she added. That man is our close relative. He is one of our kinsmen redeemers. God was providing for Ruth and Naomi. Amazing, huh? And as they sought to follow God and his will for their life, the blessings continue to come. And Boaz, as we'll see in today's chapter, would really be the one who would help answer their prayers. Now, i got to tell you, as we shared a little bit earlier, there's, there's different points in a sermon. And, and this point in this message and in the story is the turning point. Perhaps it was the turning point in the lives of Naomi and Ruth. When things looked the bleakest, right, and they went back to Bethlehem, things got a little bit better. They were provided with some food, and, and they ended up, she ended up in the field of Boaz. But this, dear friends, is a time to rejoice. Okay, let's follow along in Ruth chapter 3. Here we go. And, and I'll tell you, it's an interesting chapter. Ruth chapter 3, verse 1. One day, Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not try to find a home for you where you'll be well provided for? Is not Boaz, with whose servant girls you've been, a kinsman of ours? Tonight, he'll be winnowing. How does she know that? Tonight, he'll be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash and perfume yourself, huh? And put on your best clothes. Then go to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you're there until he's finished eating and drinking, verse 4. And when he lies down, note the place where he's lying. What in the world is she doing? Then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what I Thought that Ruth was a noble woman. All right, don't, don't get excited here. What is going on? I don't know about you, but it seems to me that, that Naomi had a little bit of a scheme, a plan here, perhaps God working through that. Playing a little bit matchmaker, that's what's happening here. Because I don't think that you need to, what, put on your best clothes and your perfume to go to the field, do you? I don't think you do. So I'm wondering, what, what in the world is happening here? Let, let's take a little bit further. Something's going on. Take a look at verse 5. I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother told her to do. And when Boaz had finished eating and drinking, and was in good spirits, he wasn't drunk, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. And by the way, that's what the men would do. You see, Boaz was out in the field all day, and on a higher plane, there was a hard surface. And on that hard surface, they'd bring the grain, and they would thresh it. They would pound it down, so the grain would separate from the stalk. And then they'd go ahead and winnow it, and because the wind would blow at this higher place, the kernels, the chaff would blow away, and the grain would hit the ground, and there Boaz was sleeping, protecting his grain as the wind blew. When we take a little bit further, it seems like almost some enchanted evening here, doesn't it? Let's read a little further. 
I'll do whatever you say again, verse 5, Ruth answered. So he went down to the threshing floor and did whatever mother-in-law told her to do. And when Boaz had finished eating and drinking, it was good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet, I don't get this, and lay down. And in the middle of the night, startled the man, yeah, and he turned and discovered a woman lying at his feet. Who are you, he asked. I am your servant, Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a kinsman redeemer. What in the world is she talking about? She puts on her best clothes, a nice dress, right? Puts on her perfume. I don't think she was going to the country hoedown, was she? And she goes in the middle of the night as the wind is blowing, some enchanted evening, right? Out there on the, on the winnowing floor, right? And she approaches him, uncovers his feet, not quite getting that. And then she goes ahead and says, spread your garment over me, for you are my kinsman redeemer. Let me translate it for you. You know what she was saying? Will you marry me? A strange way to do it. I mean, I remember asking my, my wife to, to marry me, right? And, and we were at a restaurant, and, and I said those words, and we had a nice meal, and I gave her a ring, but she uncovers his feet and asked him to put her garment over her. You see, dear friends, that, that was the case here. In the Middle Eastern times, that, that a woman would go ahead and do this, especially in this case, and she'd ask the man to put his coat over her, a symbol of strength, a symbol of security. He was asking, she was asking him to marry her. Turn with me in your Bibles, if you will, to Deuteronomy chapter 25. But was she asking for more? Deuteronomy chapter 25. Deuteronomy 25. Let's see what she was actually asking Boaz to do. This kinsman redeemer thing, verse 5 of Deuteronomy chapter 25. It says this in verse 5, If brothers are living together, and one of them dies without a son, his widow must not marry outside the family. Her husband's brother shall take her and marry her and fulfill the duty of a brother-in-law to her. And the first son she bears shall carry on the name of the dead brother, so that his name will not be blotted out from the earth. Dear friends, during this time there was a custom, and that if a brother would die, it's called a Leverite marriage, that the nearest brother of her husband could marry the widowed spouse. And when he married her, of course, they were looking to have a child so that the family name would not die. And so that's what Ruth was asking him. So that the family name, no, not her family name, but the family name of Elimelech, the father of her dead husband. And she was saying, go ahead, please marry me, take care of me, protect me, spread your wing over me, and in fact, buy the land, buy the property of my family so that we not lose us. Take care of us. Well, I don't know about you, but I want to know how he answered. Let's take a look a little bit further. Turn back to Ruth chapter 3. Ruth chapter 3. And this is how he speaks. The Lord bless you, my daughter, verse 10. This kindness is greater than that which he showed earlier. You've not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. You can imagine it took a lot of courage, a lot of courage and risk to go and speak. Don't be afraid. I, what does he answer? I will do for you all you ask. All my fellow townsmen know that you're a woman of noble character. And although it is true that I am near of kin, oh, a little glitch, 
There is a kinsman redeemer nearer than I. Stay here for the night, and in the morning, if he wants to redeem good, let him buy back, let him redeem. But if he's not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. A little glitch in it, he's not the nearest relative. The nearest relative had the opportunity to redeem the family, to marry her, to buy the fields, to continue it. But Boaz said, no matter what, I'll be there for you. So it continues on in verse 14. So she lay at his feet until morning. He got up before anyone could be recognized and said, don't let it be known that a woman came to the threshing floor. Didn't want anybody to gossip, right? And he also said, bring me the shawl you're wearing. Hold it out. And when she did so, he poured in six measures of barley and put it on her. And then he went back to town about 10 pounds. And she probably carried it on her head. In verse 16, when Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, you can imagine, mother-in-law is probably all excited, right? She set this up. Did he say yes? Did he say yes? Did he say he'll do it? Oh, my goodness. How'd it go, daughter? Then she told her everything Boaz had done for her and added, he gave me these six measures of barley, saying, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said, wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens. For man will not rest until the matter is settled today. So did he do it? Did he follow through? Did he redeem and marry Ruth? Was the family provided for? And, and, and why didn't Naomi just marry Boaz? They're probably similar age. Perhaps she couldn't have a child, right? And, and what about, did they have a child? And, and was God working something bigger than all this? I'm not going to tell you. I'm going to let you read chapter 4. But here's what I do want to tell you today. You see, when you look at how Boaz treated this young woman, it was amazing. Boaz could have turned her away. Do you know that? He didn't have to follow through. He wasn't the nearest relative. But as you remember, Boaz was kind of a stand-up guy. He was ready to be the hero of the day, and it was a simple being a hero. He was ready to do the right thing. Did he reject her? No, he received her, didn't he? He said, I'll do for you whatever you ask. He, re he reassured her of that. And then he rejoiced with her and said, you know, it's amazing that you didn't go ahead and pursue some younger men because I'm just an old man. It's amazing, Ruth, how you're looking out for someone else. Your friends, we can indeed learn from the example of Boaz today, a man of great strength. And I guess we could simply learn this, that we too should look after others who are in need, right? We always should. We should always be ready to be there for a family member and even a faith family member, right? When they fall down, and sometimes we all fall down, don't we? We all sin, we all mess up, but true family always sticks in with the family, right? And never leaves, never forsake. But I, I wouldn't be honoring this word of God here if that's all that I shared with you. Yeah, you see a nice example from thousands of years ago. That's nice. The point is, yes, God was up to something bigger than all that because I'll tell you, I guess I'll tell you. Yes, there was a son who was born. Yes, Boaz did bury her. Yes, the family name was continued on. And several years later, a king named David would be born. And from that family, a certain man named Jesus Christ would be born. And he would be not just 
their Redeemer, but your Redeemer. Ruth made a proposal. Perhaps God is asking you to make a proposal today. To come to the feet of Jesus, perhaps for the first time. And to lay all your sin and all the troubles and struggles of a dear friend, dear brother, dear sister that you've been hanging on for way too long and laying it indeed at the foot of the cross because there is a Redeemer Jesus who did die, who does live, and who loves you so much. God really loves us, doesn't he? And isn't it amazing that he'll never turn us away He'll always receive you. He'll always reassure you that he is with you. And dear friend, he is always with you. You can count on it. And he will rejoice that day when he welcomes you into his arms, into his loving arms in heaven. You know, in the verse that we're looking at today, it says, spread your wings over me. And what they meant there was the wings of the garment. Perhaps you might think, though, the example that Jesus shared of the wings of a young hen enfolding her young close to her breast. Dear Jesus, dear friends, I invite you today, let him love you again. Take a moment each day to take all those troubles in your life and let them go. Give them to Jesus. He wants to love you to embrace you, and he says, I'll protect you. I'll always be there for you, and I'm never, ever going to leave you. And if you know Jesus already, dear friend, I pray you do this today. Will you do this? Will you invite somebody else whose life does seem hopeless, whose life is a struggle? Will you invite them, propose for them too, that they might indeed ask Christ into their life, that they might know, oh, how God loves them too. God loves you, dear friends. Amen.